wow is all I can say. Um, 33 years in radio, 25 years on Fox, and this was probably the biggest, well, not probably. This was the biggest beatdown, biggest in-your-face beatdown is the only way to put it, or fight if you like to use the Democrats' favorite word as the montage went long and showed, that I've ever seen. They eviscerated every single argument that Democrats tried to make. Every single one of them. They eviscerated their argument on the Constitution. They eviscerated their arguments about the definition of incitement. I mean, Jamie Raskin actually saying yesterday, we don't have to meet the standard, the legal standard for incitement. Okay. They beat down their dishonest presentation. Uh, That is the edited, highly edited, you know, selectively edited uh, of the of the impeachment manager's presentation. They beat down the whole rush to judgment snap impeachment with the whole idea is they didn't have any facts in. They didn't have any real evidence. This never was anything that would resemble, you know, a process that was meant to ever be free and fair, starting with the honorable, if you want to say that, Senator Patrick Leahy. It just was mumbling his way through the whole thing, seemingly oblivious to even Senator Mike Lee's challenge. Uh, you know, him presiding over this this Schiff show charade. And it was, I got to admit, I, I just sat back and watched the show. And, and you could, you know that they are just melting. Because, you know, media tried to prop up. They did the greatest case ever. What is how's Trump's team ever going to be able to respond to this with their own words, their own words uh, used against them? The president said, fight like hell. But we'll let that out when the president said many of you will peacefully, patriotically march to the Capitol so that your voices can be heard. I mean, I've never seen David show uh, shown frequent guest on this show. He just he just he just eviscerated them. It was a beatdown of, of it was a humiliating beatdown. And it wasn't just the Democrats that got it. The mob and the media there, they they just had to eat it all. Did they feign their selective moral outrage at all the times that Democrats say fight like hell or fight, fight, fight? I mean, at one point, I just kind of started laughing out loud because I'm watching this. And I'm thinking, this thing's never going to end. They had more examples than you could ever want or imagine a fight. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. Fight, 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 like hell, fight like hell, fight like hell, fight like hell. And it just went on and on and on and on. And the longer it went on, the point was made and then some. That was never what it was about. And pointing out these selective edits, I mean, literally... Editing to the point where you're including blue checks of certified Twitter accounts that didn't exist into evidence. Couldn't believe it. They 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 absolutely destroyed them on the constitutional arguments, on the legal arguments. 
you know, they, they absolutely eviscerated them in terms of their hypocrisy. What was I saying? This really comes down to three separate issues. One is the Constitution. Well, you can't remove somebody from office that doesn't hold the office. You, you don't have jurisdiction if, in fact, he's not the president, but now a private citizen, that being Donald Trump. Then we went to, OK, now the snap impeachment. Jonathan Turley, Democrat, had been warning all of us about that being a horrific precedent and idea because they didn't want to bother to accumulate something called the facts. They wanted to provide no due process whatsoever, not even the right for the defense to look at or even make a case in any way, shape, manner or form. And they just put this together haphazardly, rush it over to the Senate so they can have their annual February shift show charade uh, impeachment trial. And that's and that's where we went. Then the third aspect of this and probably the most powerful of all is that we and this we have now seen for five long straight years. And that is the Democratic Party and the media, the mob. They all feign this outrage. Did you see Donald Trump's tweet? Oh, oh, the vapors. Oh, the vapors. I can't. Oh, I've never heard such language in my life. I've never seen such conduct in my life. Oh, I've never, ever felt this way before. They're full of it because they all say it. Everybody, you know, all look, it's called a blood sport politics. Do they really mean real blood like the octagon kind of blood? No, that's not the blood they're talking about. This is a rough and tumble business and anybody that gets in it, you need to have your head examined, in my view, but they get in it. You know how what the rules are, and you know how the game is played. I wish it was different. I wish you had good people. This is why I think term limits is a bad idea whose time has come. You have good people, hopefully, that love their country, that go in and serve. They're supposed to be public servants. They're supposed to go in and serve the public. And then after they go in and serve the public, go back home and they become farmers and manufacturers and business owners and lawyers and doctors and dentists and whatever else they might happen to do for a living. We'd be a lot better off than this this class of of, you know, elites in Washington. That's why it's called the swamp and the sewer. By the way, you know, I'm watching what they're playing now. Let's pot this up. This is great stuff. Listen. Go ahead. Disqualify him from ever running from office again. Disqualified from running for office again. It's about focusing that he can never run again. Remove him from ever running for office again. Never be able to run for office again. To ban a former President Trump from running again. If we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It is sad, but that is this is now what the Democratic Party is. You know, and I I loved how they made it personal, too, because it this was well deserved. You know, Jamie Raskin, they played the tape of him. His third day as a congressman in January of 2017, objecting to the electoral votes going to Donald Trump. How ironic that happens to be. They also showed Jamie Raskin repeatedly urging supporters. Yep, you guessed it to fight like hell. Oh, it's a common term used by many politicians. Raskin, the GOP rushed to replace Justice Ginsburg, Ginsburg is all about destroying the Affordable Care Act, women's health care, reproductive freedom, voting rights, civil rights for people. He tweets at the day. We must fight like hell 
to stop this assault on health care in the Constitution. Amazing. You know, it is it is unbelievable to me. And I'll tell you, it's, you know, and, and then you got, listen, do I think Joe Biden really means it when he said, I'm going to take Trump or you could take him in the gym and beat the hell out of him? No, Joe Biden, if I'm going to be honest, he didn't mean he really wants to beat the hell. He probably feels like that. He hates Trump. I got it. It's another way of saying, I hate Trump. I'm, I'm, he's acting tough. I'd like to beat the hell out of him. I'm not sure Joe's strong enough to beat up anybody, but whatever. That's a different story. Do I think he really wanted to commit violence against Donald Trump? If I'm going to be honest, my answer is no. I don't think he wanted that. Now, I'll tell you, Kamala Harris's comments scare me a lot more. And her actions scare me a lot more because she was funding the bail fund in Minnesota after the police precinct burned to the ground. And the rioting in that city and goes on with Stephen Colbert. We're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. They shouldn't stop. We shouldn't stop. You beware. You take note on both levels. That sounds like a threat to me. Maxine Waters, I'm going to take Trump out tonight. You want to talk about inciting insurrection? Maxine Waters, get, you know, if you see them, these cabinet members of Trump, create a crowd. You follow them into grocery stores and restaurants. You tell them they're not wanted anywhere anymore with a crowd. Not a good idea. That'd be an incitement for trouble, wouldn't it? Or all the Republicans that got harassed in, in restaurants and so on and so forth. You know, or all the public figures, you know, the Madonnas of the world. I think an awful lot about blowing up the White House and Johnny Depp. And when's the last time an actor killed the president? That's some pretty ugly stuff. Pretty ugly stuff. You know, and, and you know, they, I, at one point, NBC and I said, well, the president's lawyers lied. They said that there was an Antifa presence. I don't know if there was or not. I know that this one guy, Sullivan, whoever he is, Apparently, um, Black Lives Matter leader, the group, not people chanting after the death of George, uh, George Floyd, which I think everybody should have been outraged about. That can't happen in this country, nor should the Capitol ever this be invaded like this. That can't happen either. They didn't produce a single witness to give testimony in the House before passing this. Their claims against the former president, they're all guilty of. President didn't call for violence. Nobody called for insurrection. They never made their case because if, if that is the definition of incitement to insurrection, then start with Joe, Kamala, Nancy, and Chuck, and Maxine Waters and the squad members, and that was played today too, and you've got yourself people that all need to be impeached and they need to be held accountable for inciting insurrection, the favorite new word. They failed to tie any breach at the Capitol to anything that Donald Trump said or any actions he took. You know, remember, I mean, the idea that they're making up false tweets now to get their case here. There are glaring holes, and there always have been. So you've got three major defenses here. One, constitutionally jurisdictional issues that arise. Uh, you can't remove somebody from an office they don't hold. You don't have jurisdiction over a private citizen to impeach. This is an impeachment trial if the person is not in office. And then, of course, then you have the issue of, oh, now CBS, uh, every major network, every broadcast network, even fake news, CNN, the Washington Post, we have court documents, even Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, 
all saying that yeah, they, they had intelligence, the FBI knew ahead of time, and nobody lifted a finger, knowing hundreds of thousands of people were already in town to protect the Capitol, knowing that hundreds of thousands of people are going to march there. And a small percentage, just like a small percentage of protesters over the summer, wasn't everybody. There were people that genuinely were rightly outraged over what happened to George Floyd. And they chanted Black Lives Matter. That's different from the group. Black Lives Matter that had chanted pigs in a blanket, fry him like bacon and bacon. And what do we want dead cops? When do we want them now? Now Schumer's weighing a plan to have Congress ban Trump from ever running again. How about letting the American people make that decision, Chuck? And how much longer do you plan on using Trump uh, as a means of, of foregoing something called governance? You know, like distributing the vaccine, helping American families that are desperate through no fault of their own because of the worst pandemic since 1917 and 18. Maybe you can fix the broken schools in America's blue states run by Democratic uh, governors for decades. Maybe you could have safety and security, restore law and order. Maybe we can get to some of those things. I will get back to uh, what was an incredible historic day in the Senate today. Unbelievable presentation by the president's lawyers. Um, we've got a problem, though. And if you live in Oklahoma and you live in Texas, please pay very close attention. And the rest of the country is going to probably be impacted by this as well. Um, we have a Cat 5 hurricane, you know, about to make landfall. I'm not sure exactly when. That's why we brought in the official meteorologist of the Sean Hannity show, weatherbell.com. He wrote the book, by the way, The Weaponization of Weather in the Phony Climate War, Joe Bastardi. Okay, I'm beginning to get nervous about this. What's going on? Well, what it is, Sean, it's the winter equivalent in extremity of a Cat 5 hurricane. And what I'm trying to do and get across to people in Texas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas is that the misery that this can cause, what's coming in Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week, back-to-back snow and ice storms across these areas, severe cold, almost as bad as 1899, which is the legendary benchmark cold outbreak into these areas. I have never worked in a situation like this. Now, 1983, I was working in Texas, and you know, when I was working with AccuWeather, I was doing all the lower Rio Grande Valley and the agricultural interests there. And the freeze that hit there took temperatures into the mid-teens in the lower valley. I think we get to 20 down there. All right. Joe, we got a lot of news today. Let's get to the point. Tell us when this thing's going to hit, how bad it's going to be. The point is 40 million people from Sunday afternoon through Thursday are going to be under the most relentless onslaught of winter weather we've seen in Texas. There could be power outages. You can't clear the snow off the road. I would be mobilizing snow fighting equipment to get it down there so people can at least try to start moving around. So the siege is such it may hit zero to five below in Dallas. And you've got to understand with the way the power grid is today, without the reliance of those wind turbines in West Texas, if they're not turning out there, and the demand that's going to occur, there's going to be rolling blackouts. We've got major snow and ice, ice all the way into Houston on Monday. Ice and sleet, and it's not coming off the road like the day, a day later because we've got nothing to fight it with. Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, as far as extremities meteorologically goes, 
If, what I'm trying to say is the extreme of this winter weather-wise is like seeing, to me, a Cat 5 hurricane coming at Texas, and that's the point I've been trying All to right. make. Now, it's going to hit when? It's gonna hit when? Well, the wor- it's already very cold down there. It's yeah. 25 in Dallas right now, for instance, in the normal high 60. But the real core starts advancing into Oklahoma Saturday night and Sunday into the Texas Panhandle. It spreads southward Sunday and Monday into the eastern part of the state. That storm takes off to the northeast. The next one's in there Wednesday and Thursday. Tuesday morning is, could be one of the coldest February mornings on record across Texas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. And again, uh-huh. you have 40, 40 million people living here now. And how many, and we talk about accumulations, because they they don't have the snow equipment like we have up here in in the Northeast. That's it. I think Dallas Dallas gets six inches with the first one, six inches with the second one. Waco, three to six. Houston is mainly sleet and freezing rain. Folks, trying to drive on sleet. That's that's like, that's that's what they call, you know, when it's on on, uh, tar black ice. It's horrible. Yeah, it's a On the pavement, rather, you know. It's not going, folks. What I'm saying is, it's not like the next day it's going to melt off like the January. Storm. No, you don't even it's, see it. And you're running your car, and your car's—it's like it's jumped on an ice rink, and you don't even see the ice. That's the whole thing. Well, we are, all right. We so, what I want to say here is, and this is important: if you're a, a governor that has snow equipment and you don't need it all right now, maybe we can help yep. out our friends in Texas and Oklahoma, and maybe send down some plows, sanders, and and salting machines, whatever you got and some manpower and help out our friends in Texas and Oklahoma because they're going to need it. We'll see. We'll see what happens next week. But I'll tell you, this is I would not bother you given all the... No, I know. I I got it. I got it. This is too important. All right, brother. All right, my brother. Thank you. Weathervelt.com's Joe Vistardi. Listen, if you're in a state and you can help Texas and Oklahoma out, they're going to need this help. If you live there, you know, don't... Don't raid the whole grocery store. Leave something for everybody else. Everyone goes in. All the toilet paper's gone. Um, get you get what you're going to need for the period of time we're talking about. And um, maybe if you have a neighbor next door that's older, make sure they have heat and make sure that they're going to be okay. Maybe they, you can help them pick up some stuff. And uh, neighbor helping neighbor. There you go. That's the best of people. And by the way, that is the American people. You really think about this. I was talking about conservatism. Because we're often, if you're a conservative, you're a racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you know, want dirty air and water. And no, I want clean air and water. Uh, You want old people to eat dog food and cat food. And then a Republican Donald Trump lookalike will throw granny over a cliff. That's how we're portrayed. There's this false caricature. Now, was Donald Trump a disruptor? Hell yes. Yeah, he was. Was he a typical politician? Hell no. Um, Is he the guy that also exposed a lot of the swampiness in both parties? He absolutely did. Did Republican weak establishmentism uh, help create the opportunity for Trump? Yep, absolutely. Did he govern as a conservative as I said he would? Yes, he did. Did the policies work? Yes, they did. And that's what matters. Because I, I got to imagine, and I, I have plenty of liberal friends. They think I'm nuts. That's okay. I don't. I don't. I don't. In my spare time, unless you ask me, I'm not going to start talking about politics. That's my day job. That's my my passion. It's real. It's in me twenty four seven. 
But I like to find out about other people, their lives, their kids, what they do for a living. I'm always interested to hear people's stories, their biography, how they did this, how they did that. I try to learn. You can't learn if you're talking all the time. And But I know that most people want the same thing. We, we want to live in a safe neighborhood. We want to have good schools for our kids. You want to be able to have a, a, a decent house or apartment, whatever, to live in. A nice, safe car to drive. You want to be able to save for retirement. You want to be able to put away money so you can, you know, send your kids to college. You want your kids to do better than you did. I mean, that's the American story. That's something we all share. Endowed by our creator, that means we're, we're all created by the same God. Every one of us. The only difference with human beings is our consciousness and our ability to choose good and evil. And there are good people and there are people that aren't good. And that's why you saw 100 million souls destroyed in the name of government in the last 100 years. Let's go back to the last century. And, and fascism and Nazism and Imperial Japan and communism didn't work out well for a lot of people. They died under these regimes, authoritarianism and statism. You know, socialism, why am I so against socialism? Because it has a history of failure, regardless of what name it's given or what manifestation it takes on. Conservatives, you know, I, I find most conservatives are actually fairly libertarian. Yeah, we want religious liberty. I don't care what your faith is. It's none of my business. We believe in freedom of religion, free speech, freedom to express one's opinions. But now you want to cancel everybody that doesn't agree with you. You think of conservatism. What do you think of? Okay, it's simple for me. I'll repeat as a conservative, I want limited government. I want less bureaucracy so businesses can thrive and we can compete in a world marketplace. I want, I want safe cities and towns. Everyone should feel safe in their own home. That means law and order. We all want good school for our kids. So many states have failed our children at, at a, a level that is incomprehensible. We spend more per capita per education than any other country in the industrialized world, and we're like 40th in results. That, I mean, that, that's inexcusable to me. We can, we can create better schools. We can create safe cities. You have to first condemn rioting when it's happening. I don't care if it's the capital. Can't happen in this country again. We better get to the bottom of it all. Now that we find out the FBI knew, and we knew that there were all these indicators, and it was pre-planned. And what else do we want? Okay, less bureaucracy, lower taxes so businesses can thrive, jobs can be created. We believe in the Constitution, and we want constitutionalists on the court, not judicial activism that just will even cite foreign law to justify an opinion. That's nuts to me. Is it wrong after 9-11 and after COVID to say we, we need secure borders so people that want to come into our country and join our family, that we can do a background check and a health check? Is that unreasonable? Might be an oppressive here to keep Americans that are here safe? Is it wrong to want to be energy independent? The lifeblood of our economy is energy. The lifeblood of the world's economy is energy. Is it wrong to say I'm all for free trade? I am a free trader. But it's gotta be, there's got to be reciprocity, fair trade. I'm sorry, but... You know, there's plenty of evil in the world. You know, people that threaten us all the time that want to destroy the United States. 
So I believe in peace through strength, the baddest, meanest, toughest mother blanking military on the face of the earth. Not that we ever want to hurt anybody, but we can defend our way of life, our liberties, and our freedom. Knowing in the last century alone, over 100 million human souls were destroyed. You know, we don't need any more wars. I want the most advanced technology so we don't have to send kids door to door anymore and, and, and battles and fights. If we have to use military force, we have the military technology and wherewithal now we can press buttons in an office in Tampa, Florida. I want one standard for everybody, equal justice under the law, equal application of our laws. It's fundamental to who we are. That's what's so awful about this impeachment. Well, we, we don't need to meet the standard for incitement. We're, we're just doing an impeachment here. It's okay. The person presiding over it can already have decided to convict the person they're, they're having a trial on. That, that, that's not the United States. How does one candidate create a phony Russian disinformation dossier? Phony. Used in four FISA warrants to spy on a presidential candidate and a president. Nobody held accountable. Those are things I worry about. Yeah, I think, you know, if we if law says we can have partisan observers observe the vote count and you don't let it happen, we got to fix that. Just like they fixed the problems they had in Florida in 2016. If you have laws and you don't like them, change them. If you don't like the Pennsylvania Constitution, change it in the appropriate way. You just can't make it up as you go along. You know, and, and the Democrats really... I mean, if I'm Joe Biden and I hear Chuck Schumer, he's he's, you know, still talking about when well, we might we're going to finish the impeachment trial. Then Democrats will get together to discuss where to go next, whether they want to invoke the 14th Amendment. To bar former President Trump from holding office again, in other words, we lost here. Let's go to this. Let's go to option B and then option C censure. Section three of the amendment says no. And you know, I, I, why do we even go over this? Is that really what they want the American people to see them doing now that they have both houses of government and the White House? How does that help one American? How does that help in the pandemic? Any Democrats care about the tens of thousands of Americans that are now going to be losing their jobs in the energy sector and surrounding businesses, support businesses, support industries? Because there are a lot of people there that got pink slips working on the Keystone XL pipeline. And you got Hollywood superstars lobbying to get the Dakota pipeline shut down. Then they're going to shut down Anwar. Well, now it's now we're going to rely on countries that hate our guts again for energy and prices. Oh, by the way, prices are up already. I saw an article today. It's here somewhere in my pile. Yeah, panic across the plain states. National gas price explodes to 80 bucks a barrel. Gee, that's really, really shocking. Western Journal has a piece laid off Arkansas pipeline workers reveal heartbreaking consequences of pipeline cancellation. Talking about thousands of jobs. That quote, it says many are terrified of abruptly losing their income because they have no idea how they're going to put food on the table for their struggling families. This is a very specific trained skill set. It's not easily transferable to solar panels or windmills that, you know, well, we're going to get you other good paying union jobs. Well, where are they? They don't have them now. Maybe you should have waited before you snap impeachment and your, your stroke of the pen.
The House managers, facing a significant lack of evidence, turned often to press reports and rumors during these proceedings. Claims that would never meet the evidentiary standards of any court. In fact, they even relied on the words of Andrew Feinberg, a reporter who recently worked for Sputnik, the Russian propaganda outlet. You saw it posted. By the way, the report they cited was completely refuted. The frequency with which House managers relied on unproven media reports shocked me as I sat in this chamber and listened to this. And there's a lot that we don't know yet about what happened that day. According to those around him at the time, reportedly responded, Trump reportedly reports across all major media outlets. Major news networks, including Fox News, reported Reported. Reportedly summoned. Reportedly. Reportedly not accidental. According to reports, President Trump was reportedly, who reportedly spoke to the guard. And was widely reported. Media reports. According to reports. Reported. Reportedly. As any trial lawyer will tell you, reportedly is a euphemism for, I have no real evidence. Reportedly is not the standard in any American setting in which any semblance of due process is afforded and accused. Reportedly isn't even, here is some circumstantial evidence. It is exactly as reliable as, I googled this for you. And if you're worried that you might ever be tried based on this type of evidence, don't be. You get more due process than this when you fight a parking ticket. Words matter, they told you but they selectively edited the president's words over and over again. They manipulated video, time-shifting clips, and made it appear the president's words were playing to a crowd when they weren't. Let's take a look. After this, we're gonna walk down, and I'll be there with you. We're gonna walk down. We're gonna walk down to the Capitol. But I think right here, we're gonna walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. We have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated, lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. And we are going to walk down to the Capitol. They showed you that part. Why are we walking to the Capitol? Well, they cut that off. To cheer on some members of Congress and not others, peacefully, and patriotically. The Supreme Court ruled in Brandenburg that there's a very clear standard for incitement. In short, to paraphrase, whether the speech was intended to provoke imminent lawless action and was it likely to do so. Go to the Capitol and cheer on some members of Congress, but not others. They know it doesn't meet the standard for incitement, so they edited it down. Unbelievable beatdown. Glad you're with us. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Toll free, our number is 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. A couple of things we have, we have pointed out here today. The American people 
have it's it's almost like I guarantee you a shock to the system of many Americans that now are seeing this probably for the first time on fake news CNN on MSDNC. I don't even know if the networks would bother to cover it, but for the first time in their lives, seeing and hearing the things that those of us in talk radio and a couple of us on Fox do every single day because they have their predetermined notions that we're evil that we're all conservative, racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobe, xenophobe, Islamophobe. We hate children. We want dirty air and water. We want granny and grandpa to drink, uh, to, to eat cat and dog food. And then some Republican evildoer will, will throw them in their wheelchair over a cliff. Because that's how they portray conservatives. Irredeemable deplorables, you know, smelly Walmart shoppers that cling to their God, their Second Amendment, their Bibles, and their religion. But then you get to see the Democrats and all of that glory and all of their words. And you begin to, you know, all that we have now heard 16 friggin' hours of monotonous, repetitive drivel and lies. And they all say and do the exact same thing. They lose elections. They use the exact same language as Donald Trump. If they, they, they talk about fighting like hell, calls for violence against Donald Trump, his supporters, others, all there for the eye to see. This is what, what's great about this is it is every single thing we know as conservatives. We know that there is a, a lack of, of due process, that we have a dual justice system. We don't have you know, equal justice under the law. We don't have equal application of our laws. The same people that never really even learned about Hillary's dirty dossier or paid attention to what the Espionage Act was or paid attention that a dirty dossier, not only unverified, but unverifiable, was used to spy on a presidential candidate and a president all based on lies. The same media that probably never played quid pro quo Joe and zero experience Hunter. Greg Jarrett is with us. He is the host of his podcast, The Brief, author of two number one bestsellers, The Russia Hoax, Witch Hunt. Look, you're also a lawyer, and I don't think, and and in all the time I've, I've watched politics, I've ever, I've ever seen air pop out of a balloon as quick as this one, in a video montage beatdown played in the United States Senate, this was epic. It was epic. In the course of one extraordinary hour, Sean, the first hour, the defense team for former President Trump utterly destroyed, they demolished the impeachment case that had been presented against him by the House managers over two long, redundant, agonizing days. This was a resounding and humiliating defeat of not just the House managers, but the Democrats who have been driving all of this. And you're right, Sean, the brilliance of the defense was the use of video clips to exonerate Trump, to demonstrate the hypocrisy of both the House managers and Democrats who have relentlessly accused Trump of inciting 
an insurrection uh, when, when he urged a crowd of supporters on January 6th to fight like hell to support members of Congress who were lawfully contesting the presidential election. And, but the most devastating part to me uh, was when David Sean, and you know him, I know him, he is a fine, fine lawyer, said, quote, House managers manipulated evidence and deceptively edited videotapes and made false representation of Donald Trump's tweets. And then he proceeded to show it. And it was shameful, disgraceful conduct on the part of the House managers. It's shameful for the institution. Greg Jarrett, in that one hour presentation, yes, by our friend David Schoen, and that one hour, it literally shattered this illusion of the, the high and mighty and sanctimonious and pious Democrats on their high horse and this, this, you know, nailing Raskin on doing the exact same thing that Donald Trump did challenging an election. And the deceptive edits that they showed in the Senate chamber. Are they going to be any? Nobody will ever be held responsible for anything. I, I guess we can kind of say here. But at the end of the day, the American people, any objective American watching this, now, they may not like it on both sides. I understand that. I can, I can totally understand that. They may not like both sides. Heated rhetoric. It's a blood sport, as it's called, right? But it's reality. Fight like hell. How many, how many more Democrats for how long could we, have to, could we run that montage? You could run that all day, Sean. And, and there you saw it. Uh, right there. You could see it. You could watch it. You could hear it. And, you know, this is a captive audience in the United States Senate, but the more important audience, frankly, is the American public. And they saw in those video clips Kamala Harris close to a hundred times, I was keeping track, used the words that Donald Trump word, fight and fight like hell. Uh, Elizabeth Warren more than 50 times. They had roughly 300 examples of prominent Democrats, uh, you know, using incendiary language that implies violence. Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, uh, all of these people using more incendiary inflammatory language than Donald Trump ever used. And, of course, they did what you and I knew that the defense team would do. Uh, they pointed out to the senators that uh, Raskin and his Confederates over two days never once played the most important clip of all of Donald Trump urging his supporters to act peacefully and patriotically, let their voices, their voices be heard. Never once did he encourage an act of violence. Uh, and you're right. This was an absolute beat down. You know, I've, I've been a lawyer for about 40 years, and I have never seen such a legal beat down by lawyers on what are essentially uh, prosecutors and the evidence, the faulty, flawed evidence that they presented. It never would have been allowed in any court of law. Rules of right. evidence would forbid every part of this, starting with the idea that the, the presiding judge in this case, 
the honorable Patrick Leahy of Vermont, who can barely utter two sentences like Biden. Um, uh, when Mike Lee stood up, I was like, holy mackerel, this guy's out of it, too. Um, right. And and Leahy presiding a guy that already has been on record saying he will convict that Donald Trump needs to be convicted. Now, this is not the United States of America that I know, Greg Jarrett, that would allow somebody with a predetermined conclusion to be the presiding judge in this case as he is. Yes, and he's also a witness. So think of it. You got a judge and a juror and a witness all rolled into one presiding over this case. It makes a mockery of the term law and justice. There was no due process, and in the Senate there's no rules of evidence, no standard of proof, no adherence to the law. Essentially, the Democrat House managers admitted incitement can mean anything they want it to mean. And they, they actually said yesterday, Raskin said this, we don't have to meet uh, the standard for incitement because this is an impeachment. In other words, it's a free-for-all. We can do whatever we want. And, and so today, of course, the defense team pointed out they're doing what they want because they can, and they're driven by vitriol and hatred and a thirst for vengeance against a man they loathe and hate, Donald Trump. And this is now apparent for all of America to see. All right, final thoughts now with uh, Greg Jarrett. So we, we're about, I was told, my source is telling me, that maybe that's going to be maybe two more hours. Then they're going to fold it. They're just going to say, we're done. They're yeah. not going to take 16 hours like the Democrats. They're going to take four, maybe four hours and 15 minutes. Uh, the next part of it will then be questions. Uh, you can walk us through the rest of the process, then closing arguments. Well, first they'll vote on whether they want witnesses, then hopefully closing arguments. I would actually like witnesses here. Yeah, you know, I learned early on in my career as a trial lawyer that, boy, you, you win big favors with the jury if you talk to them in plain language, never talk over their heads, and make your arguments cogent and do it as quickly as possible. You know, two days of the Democrats' case belabored, uh, playing the same clips over and over and over again. You were boring the hell and alienating the jury, the senators. So the defense is so smart here to expedite their case, make it short, make it to the point, make it powerful. And already they've done it. They could rest their case right now. Agreed. Greg Jarrett, thank you. When we come back, I know so many of you are dying to talk. We'll get to you, I promise. Next, Hannity, 9 Eastern, Fox. We've got a blockbuster show straight ahead. We'll continue. Your call's coming up. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. This was the biggest beatdown, uh, I mean, of the mob, the media, the Democrats. They just shoved their own words right in their face, and I hope it tasted good. They show the hypocrisy, the dishonesty in their entire presentation. It's been based on on a standard that they will never apply to themselves. And the fact that, you know, Jamie Raskin got his ass handed to him numerous times today for his hypocrisy. Unbelievable. You know, one thing they didn't play, but we played. You know, th- this is the one riot all of a sudden Democrats want to condemn and talk about. Never mind their encouraging words for the people over the summer or the money for the bail fund that they were trying to raise. Um, For example, you have uh, uh, Oregon senators. Now, we watched what happened in Oregon. Ron Wyden, Jeff Merkley, 
You know, they this is them in a hearing prior to today, obviously, defending last summer's protest when they were trying to burn the courthouse down every single night. Our eyes did not deceive us. But then, well, it's because it's left wingers got to defend it. Listen, who Americans believe is the real threat to our constitutional rights. Is it the Oregonians who gathered in my hometown in overwhelmingly peaceful protests for racial justice? Or is it the heavily armed secret police who snatched Portlanders off the streets in unmarked vans and interrogated them without justification? Here's what the scene looked like in Portland when the federal troops were arriving. Thousands of people peacefully protesting Can we move that into the picture? Holding flowers, dancing, chanting, arguing that we need to have a reform in America so that there is equal public safety for all. You know, seriously, it was like fake news, CNN, MSDNC. Uh, It's mostly been a uh, Anderson. It's mostly been a peaceful protest today. The the city behind them is up in flames. It's like a, a, a it's. You know, what was the name of that movie, that the high building, Towering Inferno? Good grief. All right, let's get to your calls here. You've been very patient today. Uh, let us say hello to Anne is in Idaho. Anne, hi, how are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean, thanks for taking my call. And gosh, I wanted to chime in um, about how we're so stuck on choice of words and how much words matter and I was listening to the impeachment trial this morning, and at the point when he said, um, all of this because of your hatred for Trump, and we always are saying their hatred for Trump, and my thought, just wanted to get your feelings, is it is a hatred, granted, I get it, but more than that, I really feel that it is, they fear Trump, and I think using the word fear, I would have loved to have heard him say this morning, all this because you fear the return of Trump? You fear that? I mean, (laughs) we the people want him back, it's obvious, but I just feel very strongly that fear resonates so differently in people than hatred. And I'm just, you know, I don't know, wondering what your thoughts are. Let me, let me, you you raise good points. I hate to tell you this, and, and maybe because this is my business, this is what I do every day, it's It's not just Donald Trump they hate. They hate you. They hate me. I mean, they really hate me. But they because I'm I'm more I have I have platforms. They want to deplatform me so I can they can silence me. You know, in 33 years, every effort has been made. And I can't tell you how many tens and tens of millions of dollars spent to get me off the air. I don't really talk a lot about it. I didn't think anybody really would care. And I don't want to make this show that much about me. So I don't really bring it to the air. But I'm telling you the truth. People. Right, and I, I believe you 100 percent. And I think they fear you just as they fear Trump, because you have this great platform and you have millions of listeners who, like me, that listen to your radio show, watch your TV show. I can't do know, it without I, you. I, I can't. <laughs> they, they would love to shut me down. And it's not really about me. It's a, and when I say, you know, where do these remarks, irredeemable, deplorable, come from? Where, where do these smelly Walmart Trump supporter comments come from? Linda, help me think of more. Where is where is the, you know, these bitter Pennsylvanians that cling to their their God, their Second Amendment, their Bibles and religion? 
Well, number one, I like to shop at Walmart, and I actually shower every day. Um, oh, Olive Garden. Remember the Olive Garden? I, I, I happen to like Olive Garden. Um, you know, I, I happen to know what a Hilton Garden is and a Marriott Courtyard is because I stayed in them a whole bunch of my life. And I'm just, but, you know, I have a very different view of America. And, and you know, let me tell you the America that I see. I see that all of, I see the American people as fundamentally good and that the American people, the average person that I know, gets up every day. They shovel coffee down their throat. They try and make their kids breakfast. They push them off to school. All right, come on. You got to make the bus. Let's go. They race off to work. 12-hour minimum days. I know that people I know work. I don't know many people that have eight-hour-a-day jobs. Some do, and if they do, good for them. And and then they come home, and they feed their kids, you know, a little, we want pasta tonight, want chicken chicken tonight, grilled chicken and broccoli. Okay. You want uh, pizza? Let's go pizza. Yay, Dad, pizza. And then they they literally do the help with their homework and they put them in the bed and they pass the hell out, especially if they have yeah. my pillow. And that's and then they pay their taxes, obey the laws, follow the rules, and they've been betrayed. The, the, the school systems suck in so many cities and towns that you can't even get law and order because of radical extremism. The health care, Obamacare, millions lost their plan doctors and we're all paying 200 percent or more. Uh, than what they promised that we would cut. And now they're promising everything's going to be paid for. And this new Green New Deal utopia that is going to remove our, 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 our energy independence, hurt our, hurt our sovereignty and national security, and take away tens of thousands of high-paying career jobs. I, 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 yeah, this, this sucks. How do you just yeah. right away hunt tens of thousands of people's jobs like that? I couldn't do it. Yep. Yep, and that's that's I feel like the fear that that the left has for Trump is they just fear his with fear comes anticipation, I guess is my thought. And I feel like if we use fear instead of hatred, you know, they fear his next move. It's always they absolutely do. And they fear that that Americans 75 million or more will vote for him. That's what they fear. There's never been a Republican that got that many votes ever. Nowhere close to it. The perfect example is this, you know, Schumer Schiff, you know, charade show that they have going on because. No, no, no it's a Schiff show charade. Now, come on, Ann, you got to get it right. It's hard to say. Yeah. And I love it when you call it that rather than the impeachment trial, because we all know it's not even real. But it's great to see, to watch this trial on TV and see, like you said, all these videos coming out that are being shown for the first time on the fake news. So see, it's you know, these videos. Th- and by the way, thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Um. I really appreciate it for every single person because they, they want me to fail. You know, last year we set a record and I never talked about it. The highest yearly uh, ratings for any cable news show in history. Now, after elections, it, the news wanes. You know, people are not quite as intensely interested. Hannity's failing. No, I'm not. <laughs> this has happened all 33 years of my career. You know, oh, what is he going to talk about now? Um, now that Trump is in, in the office. But I, I've got to run. You're a delight, and I love you. Thank you for being there always. Uh, let's say hi to Bill. He's in the great state of Pennsylvania where people are angry and cling to their God, Second Amendment, Bibles, and religion. Wow. Hey, Bill, how are you? Hey, Sean. I just want to say it's a pleasure and an honor to get in touch with you. This is great. I'm very Thank excited. You. It's Thank all you. mine. Thank right. you. So I just want to say that I'm a, I'm a union elevator constructor. 
for close mm-hmm. to 40 years. Came in at 21 years old. My dad got me the job. He worked for a major elevator company back then. And I saw was it, wait is it Otis? I always see Otis. I, I, sure. I, I currently, I, you said it, I, I currently work for that company. And <laughs> okay. hopefully in the next four years, my wife is listening. Hopefully in the next four years, I'll be able to retire. I mean, I definitely, I, she'll let me retire. Let's put it that way. Okay. So I am second generation. My dad put 38 and a half years in, this, in the industry for a different company. So I still had to wait 10 months to get in. And this whole idea, I just want to set the record straight for these. I'm going to be nice for the, for the people in Washington that think that if I get laid off tomorrow, I'm not going across the street to the sheetrockers union or the uh, plumbers union, knock on their door and say, hey, hire me. It ain't happening. Okay, it's not it doesn't happen like that. There is a lot of nepotism in the industry. Okay, and I'm sure you know what that means. And it's just the way it goes. And we still have rules and regulations. But it's a crazy idea that think that all these poor, you know, um, union, um, you know, steam fitters and all those, uh, you know, those uh, pipe pipe fitters and everybody just from a sign of, uh, you know, stroke of a pen got laid off they're not going to get a job right away and they're not going to be able to go to a different union. It, it doesn't work like that. Right? Uh, those jobs are hard to come by and they're very, we're talking about very skill specific jobs for a very specific industry. In other words, you can't take the jobs as, you know, working on a pipeline or an oil rig and translate it into something else. Um, it's not an easy transition where you have the same skill level where you'd get the same amount of money. You're talking now about complete retraining and retooling. And and, and that's and the it, problem. And that's when these guys oh, get another union job. I, I can't tell you how angry I get hearing that. No, it's, it's easy for it, you it, to it, say. It's not happening. And we're very skilled. We do carpentry. We do. I weld. We do iron worker stuff. We, we cut pipe. We, we do all that stuff. We're very, you know, highly skilled and we get compensated very well, but it's also extremely dangerous. But like I said, they're, they're just not going to be able to go and get another job right away. It doesn't work like that. The union is set up. So you kind of stay with your own. And, and we have a great program in our, in our industry. It's called helmets to hard hats. Right. So we bring a lot of military kids in and, and it's, awesome. it's awesome. It's a great program. And it's, you know, so it just, it works out for for them. It's just sad to me. I mean, these are high paying career jobs. Let me tell you what the reality is, Bill, for the, for a lot of these guys that are union guys like you. And and I've actually been in a New York union. They don't do a darn thing for me, but whatever. Um, (laughs) But, but let me just tell you that. Yeah, I have to, I had to join or else I can't be on the air in New York, believe it or not. But here's the problem is when, you know, if you have a, a secure career job, you know, you make decisions based on, okay, if I, if I keep working, I can pay this mortgage. If I keep working, I, can, I think we can swing that new car for, uh, or caravan or SUV for the family or a truck for me, right? You know, not, not, uh, if I have that, that good job, I think I'm going to remodel um, this room and maybe we'll freshen it up a little bit and, and so on and so forth. You make decisions. And then I could put X number of dollars away from my retirement, X dollars away from my kids' college. That's, that's, that's who I care about in this country. To me, that's who makes America great, as I was telling the, the last caller. Um, that's my whole family I'm describing. Uh, and, and I got to be the lucky one, and I don't I have no idea why, except that I have a big mouth. That's it. So, You're hating all of us, Sean, and, and because of you, 
because of Trump, big supporter, because of of people like you and conservative radio, you're educating us and and you're 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 helping us see the right side of things. Well, I'm trying to just tell the the truth. We work hard at doing, you know, we work hard at getting things right. You know, and sometimes and and that's why we don't get things wrong like so many other people and don't lie for three straight years and refuse to look at truth. You know, if some of what you saw today was was familiar, it's because we you know, that's the work we do every day. That's why it's going to be a shock to the soul of some people in the country. I didn't know these things that were said. Anyway, thank you, my friend. God bless you and your family, your fellow union guys. And I'm praying for everyone's job. Russell Avet in Missouri. Hey, Russell, how are you? Glad you called, sir. I'm fine. How are you, Sean? Yes, I am a veteran. I'm a co-war veteran is what they like to call us, uh, Kosovo and, and those type of things, Africa. Uh, my problem is my age group, which is similar to your age group. You may be a little younger. We served for a country that we believed in and was a democratic country. Uh, and for these people to call veterans and Trump supporters Nazis makes me sick to my stomach. The viral, nasty things that they say about Trump supporters they they do not understand that we are going to relive history because they're trying to get rid of history. If you go to Germany, like I have been there, and seen the death camps and seen the leftovers of what true Nazism was, they would understand this is nothing like that. We're supporting a, a, a man that wants to get rid of the swamp. You That's know? the 19... under, understand all these these adjectives they use is just born out of irrationality and hatred because they don't like his policies. And they claim to have a monopoly of compassion for minorities. They claim to have a compassion of uh, a monopoly on free speech. And they don't because they're not standing for free speech. And then you want to talk about incendiary incitement, insurrectionist language. Well, it was laid out for the world to see. And they bear that responsibility themselves, so they indict themselves. Got to run. Thank you, sir. 800-941-SEAN. Our number will continue straight ahead. All right, News Roundup and Information Overload Hour. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Well, we have this big um, story about Governor Cuomo, a real-life whistleblower that we actually know the name of and can actually see admitting to Democratic lawmakers in the state of New York of purposely withholding the state's nursing home death toll from COVID-19, telling them, the Democrats, we froze out of fear that the true numbers would be used against us by federal prosecutors. Well, I don't know if I was Jamie Raskin or one of the House impeachment charade, shift show charade people. They might say that's obstruction of justice. Anyway, stunning admission in a in a video conference call with state Democratic leaders saying that the Cuomo administration, they, they rebuffed a legislative request for the tally in August because then President Trump um, would turn it into a giant football and they were afraid of an ongoing investigation by the Justice Department. Uh oh. Anyway, let me let me play for you. First, Andrew Cuomo's history of his coronavirus comments because he did write the big bestseller on leadership. What New York did was follow what the Republican administration said to do. 
That's not my attempt to politicize it. Efforts. Older people, vulnerable people are going to die from this virus. That is going to happen. You can't save everyone. You're going to lose people. That's life. That nursing home should have referred that patient and should have told the Department of Health, I can't handle these patients. Now, when the Department of Health takes Bernadette, they no longer get paid for Bernadette. Oh, money. We have been helping them with more PPE, but again, it's not our job. When you're saying what happened in other countries versus what happened here, uh, we don't even think it's going to be as bad as it was in other countries. All right, uh, pretty, pretty, it's pretty amazing stuff, isn't it? Now listen to Cuomo on the nursing home report and says everyone did the best they could. Who cares which way they died anyway? This is before the AG, a Democrat in New York, now have as an open investigation into all of this. This is this is not good for Andrew Cuomo. What I would say is uh, everyone did the best they could. Uh, when I say the uh, State Department of Health, as the report said, uh, the State Department of Health followed federal guidance. So uh, if you think there was a mistake, then go talk to the federal government. It's not about pointing fingers or blame. It's that this became a political football, right? Uh, Look, whether a person died in a hospital or died in a nursing home, it's the people died. People died. If you look at New York State, we have a lower percentage of deaths in nursing homes than other states. A third of all deaths in this nation are from nursing homes. New York State, we're only about 28% only. But we're below the national average in number of deaths in nursing homes. But who cares? 33, 28, died in a hospital, died in a nursing home. They died. They died. What's the difference where you die? Anyway, that and, of course... This utter beatdown that's been taking place in D.C. today by the defense of Donald Trump. Mark Simone, he's uh, my fellow host on our flagship in New York, uh, WOR AM 710. Joe Concha, Fox News contributor, media columnist with The Hill. Uh, Mark, uh, you've been following this this nursing home scandal, and it just keeps percolating up. But this this woman that admits what she did that they purposely hid the information to hide it from not only democratic lawmakers but from the justice department i'd say uh uh oh we've got a problem yeah i think she thinks there is a federal probe or some kind of investigation coming why would she all of a sudden leak that i think she was letting prosecutors know uh if you need a witness i'm the witness give me the immunity i'll do the talking this is really bad. You know, all over New York, people are calling for Cuomo's resignation. Even uh, Democrats in the Assembly now uh, want to strip away his emergency powers. Hey, for those of you around the country, you know, you watch these briefings every day, and you don't know. You God, the guy looks so detailed. Look how he's got charts and graphs. He seems to be on top of everything. You may not know, the state of New York is totally bankrupt under Cuomo's leadership. We owe $30 billion. We've had the biggest exodus ever. So many people have left. We're going to lose two congressional seats. What the hell are we doing here? We're so stupid. The two of us are the dumbest people on earth, but go ahead. He 
signed legislation releasing all the violent prisoners without bail. He signed this thing. He, he has destroyed. I listen. We think there's fifteen thousand senior citizens dead. His management in New York City, the closing of every we think he killed twelve thousand restaurants. It's a total disaster. He's talking about taxing every little stock transaction. They're talking about moving the stock exchange to Miami now. He's a disaster. It's it's been an unmitigated disaster, and and they're even saying, well, we don't think New York can come back till maybe the earliest twenty twenty five twenty thirty. Uh, Joe Concha, uh, you're not uh, you're a frequent. I think you don't. I think you live outside the city limits, if I'm not mistaken. I don't want to give away your location, um, <laughs> but you see what's happening. I've seen what's happening. Unlike Mark, I I just got the hell out of there. And that's that's smart, right? Uh, we have a mutual friend. I, I can't say his name in the air, Sean, but uh, he moved out of New York City to Florida recently, and he says every single powerful person that he knows is moving to Florida. Obviously, no state income tax, but the state is run infinitely better, and we've seen the mass exodus in terms of all the numbers out of New York. And it's look at the combination that you have now. The city has lost its character, right? So many great restaurants have gone down. It just isn't the same city it was even 10 or 20 years ago, particularly under Bill de Blasio. But then also, it's insanely expensive to live in. And on top of that, it's extremely dangerous to live in. So when you combine all those things, I don't think I'd want to live here either and go to somewhere that's 30, 40 degrees warmer. But but to your point around Cuomo, uh, he absolutely needs to resign. This is criminal behavior that we're talking about here. And what? Because he was in some sort of competition with Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, so he could tout the nursing home stats being better in his state than in Florida. And remember, talk about incitement when we're talking about impeachment here for a moment. Let me give you two quotes from Andrew Cuomo. One to Howard Stern from Cuomo. If I wasn't governor of New York, I would have decked Trump, period. I mean, he was attacking me. He was attacking my family. He was anti-Italian. Yeah, right. Uh, every nasty thing. One more quote for you. He can't have enough bodyguards to walk through New York City, Cuomo said of Trump. Forget bodyguards. He better have an army if he thinks he's going to walk down the streets in New York. Does that sound like inciting violence against the president? I think it does. So between his rhetoric and between his results in terms of nursing home deaths here in New York, because think about it. Florida, four major cities, Miami, Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, a larger population, an older population, and they have half the deaths that New York has. So, you know what? This guy needs to go step down. I can't believe he was actually being thought of as replacing Joe Biden on the top of the ticket for the Democrats last year. He shouldn't be in office at all, and he should be criminally investigated for covering up this nursing home scandal. Thank God for Janice Dean for shining a light on him when no one else was talking about it. I mean, I feel terrible for her. Um, it's, I, I, I know we work at Fox together. I don't see anybody, as you know, because I, yeah. I have a new studios, but the it's it's just not her. I mean, we're talking about fifteen up to 15,000 people, maybe more by the time this is done. And, and you know, at one point blaming the nursing homes for wanting the money. And the worst, worst part of it all is Donald Trump built the hospitals, brought in the, the Navy hospital ship, converted them to be able to take on people with COVID-19. They provided all the manpower, all the masks, the gloves, the shields, the medicines, everything. And 80 percent of the Javits Center remained empty. And the same with the Mercy Hospital ship, Mark Simone. 
Yeah, you know, people might be saying, well, why didn't the nursing homes object? Governor Cuomo holds their licenses. They couldn't say a word or they could lose their license. He's, he's in charge of that. You know, at the beginning, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, what do you do when these nursing home patients get the virus? He found two empty nursing homes. He converted those to coronavirus nursing homes. That way, everybody had it. There was no problem. It was a brilliant solution. He did that a year ago. Uh, two days ago, Governor Cuomo just announced he's going to take empty nursing homes and use those for coronavirus. It took him a year to think of that. I tell you, Ron DeSantis, I mean, look at what's happening in Newsom. He did a disaster, his shutdown policies. And Ron DeSantis, with a greater population of older people, same weather conditions as California, interestingly, now they're going to have a recall of Newsom. If they had a recall petition in New York, I, I, I have no doubt probably the same thing would happen to Cuomo, but I think he's got a bigger issue. Uh, and this is a real whistleblower with a real name and a real identity that made a really significant charge here. And by some miracle, Sean, uh, you have CNN is actually covering this now. After 10 months of interview after interview, they wouldn't even forget softball questions around nursing homes. They wouldn't even broach the topic because, obviously, it could be a sensitive issue uh, around the uh, virtual water cooler. Uh, but, but think about this, though. Remember, uh, President Obama, he got a Nobel Peace Prize right for doing nothing, right? And now you have Andrew Cuomo. He won an Emmy, remember, an Emmy. You think that the people that run that little organization might want to ask for that back given all this news? that we're seeing now, it's incredible. You know, there's always a crisis around Cuomo. Remember, he was Secretary of Housing, Urban Development uh, years ago in the Clinton administration. That's when we had the housing crash, the housing market. A lot of people blame him for that, too, and his policies. All right, let's move on to the issue of the day, which is I have never in my life, and we'll start with you, Joe Contra, you cover the media, ever seen a bigger beatdown than the video presentation as laid out by a friend of this program, our friend David Schoen, of all of the rank hypocrisy, the the admitted, the double standards. I mean, it, it. I guarantee you half the country that probably doesn't watch me, that never saw all of this before, were blown away. It was devastating, a devastating beatdown. I can't think of one similar except maybe Ali North Iran Contra. Oh, I would go probably Tom Cruise against uh, Colonel Nathan Jessup in a uh, few right? I mean, is... <laughs> You can't you handle the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Did you run a code around? You're damn right I did. Uh, yeah, it's a classic movie if you're not doing anything. You're like, damn right I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of the great scenes of all time, right? It uh, is but, great. Yeah. And here's the thing. This is now what, I don't want to go into the weeds here a little bit, but in terms of presentation and persuasion, it, it used to be, you know, the old courtroom dramas and the beat downs one-on-one between a lawyer and a witness, right? Now it's who has the best editor? I mean, seriously, <laughs> who's the most creative producer? Because the Democrats, uh, the Democrats' presentation was powerful, but, but this was the perfect counter-argument. So this wasn't one lawyer beating another lawyer. This is one producer beating another producer in terms of the but yeah, but to your point, though, I mean, the, the, the words of the Democrats in terms of, say, for instance, uh, our friend Chuck Schumer in New York, threatening, opening threatening Supreme Court justices, right? Gorsuch, uh, I believe, was, was one of them, and, and Roberts, right? No, Gorsuch and uh, Kavanaugh. Uh, and, and you could go on and on in terms of what the Democrats have said over the years in terms of inciting violence against Republicans. Maxine Waters, obviously, most notable, get up in their faces. Cory Booker, get up in their faces. And we saw people get up in people's faces in terms of Steve Scalise getting shot or Rand Paul getting the crap beaten out of him in his front lawn to the point where he actually had a collapsed lung and was in the hospital for weeks. These had real consequences, Sean, those words, just like uh, just like we saw with the Capitol and the riots. So it's it was the perfect counter-argument. Now I think it's a wash. The president, again, won't be convicted, and now we see where he goes from here. 
All right, as we continue, Joe Concha and Mark Simone, you know, if there was any decency, intellectual honesty among Democrats, they would look at today and they'd look in the mirror and they say, you know what? Uh, we just got our ass handed to us, Mark Simone, but I wouldn't hold my breath on that. No, no, no. They say this is uh, what about is what about is for those who don't know, that's when a Democrat gets caught attacking something that they just said was fine for the last five years. Uh, I give NBC News credit. They didn't even try to be objective. They didn't even care about being objective. <laughs> oh, um, the, we give them credit for. But do they ever admit that they have an opinion? No, they're not like nope. uh, we're, we're all members of the press. But we're talk show hosts. I saw this video. It was so unbelievable. The video the Trump team showed. They cut to Andrea Mitchell, Chuck Todd, Lester, all these totally corrupt journalists. And they said, well, this was uh, clearly edited and it was doctored. And it was, they tried to pick it all apart. The Democrats ran the most doctored video for three days. They cut to the same panel who said, oh, it was so powerful. It was so moving. They didn't even try to look objective. I know. It's, I love Josh. Poor Josh Hawley. They just he can't stand him anymore. He, he dared to say, let's have an audit, just like Jamie Raskin did. Oh, what a similar moment. I don't know. I, I, I just think, and they wrapped this thing up pretty quick, Joe Concha, which was a smart strategy. They're not going to take 16 hours. Now questions and answers. Then are we going to have witnesses? Then a vote, and it's over. And then, are they going to go to censure in the Fourteenth Amendment, or do they let it go? If they were smart, they would let it go because there are people out there saying, uh, "Where's that COVID relief package that you've been talking about?" Hey, there's an opioid crisis that's exploding during this pandemic, and a thousand other problems that this country has. This political theater, no one wants this. They want people to solve problems, and instead, this is typical Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Democrats. Just hey, we got to cling on to Trump because we don't have any solutions of our own to put forward to help the American people. That's sad. Last word, Mark Simone. I love that, Jamie Raskin. He's the Democrats' Meryl Streep. I love the crying <laughs> and the tissue and the Kleenex. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're cold. You are one cold-hearted talk show host. <laughs> Fact check true. Uh, oh, by the way, you know, Mark, I, I quoted your Twitter on my TV show. It was, you had me, Linda sends it to me, and I'm like, did you, she goes, you see Mark's tweet? I'm like, no, you don't give me access to my account, remember? And, uh, uh, that's smart. I knew because my phone blew up and everybody in the world. <laughs> All right, you guys are amazing. Thank you both. Uh, good friends, Mark Simone, Joe Concha, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break right back. Your call's on the other side, straight ahead. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Here's David Sean. I'm so glad he did this today, hitting Jamie Raskin for staging that, you know, photo shoot with the New York Times on what we now know were altered, edited, manufactured, checkmark tweets. Good afternoon. My name is Jamie Raskin. It's my honor to represent the people of Maryland's 8th Congressional District in the House and also to serve as the lead House manager. Even if the evidence proves as we think it definitively does, that the president incited a violent insurrection on the day Congress met to finalize the presidential election, he would have you believe there is absolutely nothing the Senate can do about it. Thus, as a matter of history and original understanding, there is no merit to the President Trump's claim that he can incite an insurrection and then insist weeks later that the Senate lacks the power to even hear evidence at a trial, to even hold a trial about the stakes of this decision, whether President Trump can stand trial and be held to account for inciting insurrection. So our friends must work to answer all of the overwhelming, detailed, specific, 
factual and documentary evidence we have introduced of the president's clear and overwhelming guilt in inciting, in inciting violent insurrection against the union. If a president did invite a violent insurrection against our government, as of course we allege and think we've proven in this case, but just in general, if a president incited a violent insurrection against our government, would that be a high crime and misdemeanor? Can we all agree at least on that? We have reason to believe that the House managers created false representations of tweets, and the lack of due process means there was no opportunity to review or verify the accuracy. Consider these facts. The House managers, proud of their work on this SNAP impeachment, staged numerous photo shoots of their preparations. In one of those, manager Raskin is seen here at his desk reviewing two tweets side by side. The image on his screen claims to show that President Trump had retweeted one of those tweets. Now, members of the Senate, let's look closely at this screen, because obviously, manager Raskin considered it important enough that he invited the New York Times to watch him watching it. Now, what's wrong with this image? Actually, there are three things very wrong with it. Look at the date on the very bottom of the screen on manager Raskin's computer screen when we zoom in to the picture. The date that appears is January 3rd, 2020, not 2021. Why is that date wrong? Because this is not a real screenshot that he's working with. This is a recreation of a tweet, and you got the date wrong when you manufactured this graphic. You did not disclose that this is a manufactured graphic and not a real screenshot of a tweet. Now, to be fair, the House managers caught this error before showing the image on the Senate floor. So you never saw it when it was presented to you. Oh, you never saw it when it was presented to you. All right, let's get to our busy phones on this Friday. We got an amazing Hannity tonight. Uh, Let's say hi to Wendy is in Vegas. Uh, K-Dawn Radio, what's up, Wendy? How are you? Glad you called. Hi, Sean. Thank you so much for taking my call. It's an honor. Thank you. Sean, I wanted to... I wanted to mention an article that was published in the Miami Herald on Wednesday where the Biden administration is floating around a potential travel ban to the state of Florida. Oh, who's floating that around? The Biden administration. To Why, you mean, if you go to Florida, you can't go to Florida? That's what they're looking. That's what they're, they're trying to do. They're trying to float that idea around. It's all over the news. The Miami Herald published it on Wednesday. And um, Marco Rubio and DeSantis responded to it. I did see this. Hang on. I have it in my pile of notes on other things. I've been so focused on the impeachment thing today. Now. I know. Okay. Let me tell you where people need to go. Florida. You want to know why? Because they've done, in terms of the the elderly population, uh, those with pre-existing conditions, comorbidities, those that have compromised immune systems, they have done the best of any state with such a large elderly population, it puts New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Michigan, California to shame. And everyone in in Florida, I think you can now see and compare and contrast, you know, what a real governor can get done. Now, what's amazing about this, what Marco Rubio said, is that the day after Donald Trump imposed the travel ban from China, you know, Biden said it's a hysterical xenophobia, et cetera. Then in March, he tweeted out travel bans were xenophobic again. 
And now he wants to impose travel bans on American citizens to even go to Florida. You know, uh, thank you for reminding me of that. I, I honestly, I had it deep in my notes today. And I'm like, I remember, wait, wait I read this. And uh, thank you for reminding me. You're very welcome. I'm trying my best. And, You're you know, there's a been a lot of news. John, please run. Run for president yourself. You and Tucker yeah. can fix this country. Uh, we're trying. And with your help, we can do it. The only, the only, there's a lot of people that want us to just never come back again. Let's put it that way. All right. Thank you, Wendy. God bless you. Uh, and I'd like to see Vegas do better. They've been struggling like hell out there. It's terrible. I feel so sorry. All, you know, look, I'm not the biggest gambler, but I remember we'd go on these junkets, sweet baby James, Linda, you were on a lot of those trips. And, you know, we'd all stop and, and play blackjack or whatever. And you talk to the dealers and these, they call them pit bosses. And, and by the way, yes, you were the worst better of all, James. You lost. But I like how much money you give to them when you're winning. Probably sometimes more than you win. Oh, you mean the people dealing? Yes. Okay. Well, no, no. Well, I, I give everybody on my staff, Linda, you can confirm this. A hundred bucks. I said, okay, just go have fun with it. And then just don't worry about it. Cause everyone's like, oh, I don't want to lose a pen. Nobody wants to lose money. I don't want to lose money. And it's amazing how many people have come back with like a thousand bucks. The happiest people on earth. Linda, you've never won though, have you? I don't really play the, like, I don't really play table games. I'm more of like, you know, I like the, the slot slots. machines. I'm, I know. you know, I'll play, I'll sit there and play the penny machines. Uh, I don't think they have penny machines <laughs> anymore. Yes, they do. I think they have. They may have gotten rid of even that the nickel That is a poor slots. man's game, and I fit in just fine there. I am <laughs> I not a big wager. I don't think they have penny slots anymore. I think they got nickel, maybe. May, I don't even think they have that. Maybe they have a quarter slot left. Most of them are dollar slots, at least. That's not true. I'm going to call I, one of our people. I, I got to call somebody in Vegas right okay, now. Okay, if you, wherever those penny slots would be, would be like in the deepest crevice buried somewhere in the in the casino it's true it's it's absolutely true i had i had one great run my whole in my life it was it was spectacular and i went down four nights in a row and i won four nights in a row and the only reason is i went to the same table with a bunch of of three drunk guys that didn't know how to play blackjack and it was it worked out perfectly for me they were losing their shirt didn't care they were just drinking up a storm and i'm like sitting there all right, I got a loaded cigar, and I am sober as uh, Stone Cold Sober, and I'm here to play. And now I get bored in 10 minutes. I can't stand it. Uh, not me. I love it. I feel like the seat gets hot. You know, I can't leave it. <laughs> Start, I'm starting to just get the machine warmed up. You know, it feels good, and then I win. I, I'm telling you, I sat there next to my mother. My mother is amazing on slot machines. She has won in the thousands. And people come running over. She's that person. She sits down, and she wins. I'm like, what? Is, really? It's amazing. I mean, it, it's the strangest thing because I get up early to, you know, get ready for my shows. And, you know, from the night before the sun comes up and the place has these people playing all day and all night. And in the casino, you don't know if it's night or day and they're pumping oxygen into the room to keep everybody awake. It's yeah, but it works. It, I mean, if somebody's going to walk around all night and say, here's a bunch of bright lights and a bunch of nice people, and you get to have this little spot, and you don't have to move, and we'll bring you food, and we'll bring you drinks, and we're going to put fresh air. I mean, yeah, you know, you're going to sit there all night. Uh, I'm look, just saying. Some people like it. Um, you know what I don't like? I don't. I, if I go, I'm going to say, okay, $1,000, that's it. I'm not going to lose one more penny. And then I, I have the ability to lose 1000 and walk away. Some people don't. You know the one person I'm talking about. 
Indeed, I do. Oh, my gosh. I dragged this person, and it's nobody that this, it's every, somebody in this audience would know. I dragged this person. I see what's going on, and they're, like, getting high, and they're, like, lost in this zone, and they're, like, it's sort of like a high for them. To, just They couldn't stop, and I could see it. I said, get up. Drag this person. Bring them to their room. And I said, don't, don't leave this room. I came back in the morning, and that person was at the same slot machine. And I knew, I knew I lost my mind. And I was like, you know, you're never coming back with us ever on a trip like this. Yeah, it's, it's some people, it's, it's a struggle, horrible. you know, but some people, horrible. that's why I say you play the penny machines. It's not so bad, you know? Okay, these weren't the penny machines. Didn't you know? say they were. I'm just saying that that's I, it, something it, you it, can do. I know. And, I, you know, people have addictive personalities. And I know that you can get help because I know people that have gotten help. All right, let me get to the phones. Uh, let's say hi, Jay, Michigan. What's up, Jay? Glad you called. Hey, how you doing, Hannity? Nice to talk to you. Man, I'm really good, man. How are you? you? What's going on? Hey, watch you. I'm doing good. Watch your show every night. Question I have is this impeachment thing that they're doing, it's, it's a sham, like you always say, but they're wasting our tax dollars, every single American's tax dollars. Is there a thing that an American person can do to sue the government over this? Because it's just it's a sham. If we could sue over the misappropriation of our tax dollars, we'd be in court and we'd win every time if the rules of evidence applied. You know, it is this is why, Jay, elections matter. You know, there's a reason people are leaving your great state of Michigan. Remember, Detroit lost half its friggin population because they were run out because of bureaucracy, unions, did, did not think long term in that instance. I, mean, I don't have anything against unions at all, but it ended up being a disaster. You know, now we have, you know, get, it, get right to work. States are being ripped away. It's it's not good for American workers. Donald Trump proved that you can have record low unemployment for every demographic in this country by securing the borders, getting rid of bureaucracy, bringing back manufacturing and lowering taxes and incentivizing business. That's it. It's not complicated. Being a conservative is not complicated. And if you do conservative things, you win. And the country wins. And American workers win. And my attitude now about the Republican Party, because I'm not a Republican, is, well, you better understand what's happening. You better understand the people of this country. And you better understand, you let the Democrats be the party of the coastal elites in New York and New Jersey and D.C. and 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 San Francisco and Los Angeles, they can have they can keep Chicago, too. But if you're the party of working men and women, secure borders, lower taxes, less bureaucracy, safe schools, school choice, safe cities, law and order. If you're the party of energy independence, secure borders, I think I said that. And also constitutional justices, free and fair trade, peace through strength, you win. That's the agenda I don't need to spell it out any. It doesn't get more complicated than that. That's me. That's what the conservative I am. And we hear all the fight, fight, fight. Let's fight for those things because that benefits American workers. That benefits our children. That benefits our safety. That benefits job, a, a, a market that is friendly for job creation and manufacturing. And then we can have prosperity for everybody, and, and we won't need Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, or Kamala Harris's free anything, because we'll be able to get our own. Anyway, you got me worked up, Jay. Oh, Why are you doing that to me? I, That's 
I, I'm so sorry, man. This is, I'm a true Trumper, and it's just sad what's going on. I mean, it's, you know, you got Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi and Shifty Shift, all of them, and it's just, it's just a joke. They, they need to be impeached. They need to be thrown out of office. It's just downright, they're going to make our country go downhill. Well, they already have. Uh, I started my own company. Um, I got a hotshot company. I haul for eight. And I've noticed since Biden's got in, the gas prices has gone up in Michigan. And, you know, Whitler, we call her, she doesn't help out. She's useless. Uh, Forget it. I mean, you know, Cuomo, Murphy, you know, all these. What's the governor's name in Pennsylvania? All these. they're, They're terrible. Newsom. Just awful. And that's why people are leaving their states in droves. Anyway. What's up, Wolf, Governor Wolf? Yeah. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, what a remarkable day this has been. Um, I know that a lot of the country never saw or heard a lot of what they saw and heard today. We're going to completely re- re- recap all of this tonight on on Hannity. I mean, it was a it was an embarrassing beatdown, and I bet a shock to people that. Only watch fake news CNN or the networks or MSDNC. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, Mark Meadows, uh, also Elise Stefanik on this whole issue with uh, Governor Cuomo, Rick Cornell. Uh, we'll have an update on the Lincoln Project, but we're gonna we're gonna focus in full on what happened today. It was historic. A media Democratic Party beatdown. Nine Eastern. Set your DVR. We'll see it tonight. We'll be back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks as always for being with us. Thank you.